Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. This evening, all over the world, Christians are recalling the blessed gift of Holy Communion. And for some traditions, this is a sacrament, meaning that it is a tangible sign of God's grace. For others, it is an ordinance. It is something that they do communally. It doesn't have the same theological understanding and underpinnings. But no matter who we are, theologically as Christians, we understand that Jesus did something incredible on the night in which he was betrayed. He set the expectations, not only for his disciples that night, but for all of us who would come after. It was his intention that he would allow us some space to breathe, some room to grow and make mistakes, and come back to him and find grace and forgiveness. And this is embodied nowhere else in the same profound manner as it is at the communion table. That night when Jesus gathered in an upper room with his disciples and others who had been supporting this ministry, not just the 12 apostles, but others who had been traveling around and carrying women and perhaps even his own mother and some of his siblings, as they gathered there and prepared for one of the holiest meals in all of Judaism, the Passover Seder, Jesus recognized that they were getting ready to experience incredible trauma, that they were getting ready to lose him and they didn't understand and they weren't ready and what was going to come afterwards, after this meal, was going to break their hearts. And he knew this because he knew it would break his heart. And so he wanted to prepare them. And he sets about having these conversations with them, letting them know that it was going to be okay and they're confused because how could it be bad? We just came into the holy city and you had this incredible parade welcoming you on Sunday. And then you went in there and you overturned some tables and you showed those Sadducees who was boss. And the Pharisees have been unable to catch you in any kind of linguistic battle. Everything is going awesome. Why would anything bad possibly happen? What are you talking about? And they're confused. They feel like they're on cloud nine. Jesus has been recognized as the Messiah. His power and his voice have been respected by crowds of people. The disciples were there as the entire city erupted in cries of Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They could not fathom that in just a few hours he would be arrested and taken from them and never returned. They could not understand that this was truly the last moment of basking in his presence as they had for the last three years. But he wanted them to understand that when things got dark and depressing, when things were hard and difficult, when their relationships were frayed and fractured, and when things got really hard because ministry is like that, when things got to the point where they felt that they couldn't go on and they needed him so desperately, he was showing them that he would always gather with them at this table. And he told them in his words. And he took things that were so ubiquitous, so commonplace, that they could always find them. They would always have access to the bread and the cup. 
And no matter where they were, whose house, what festival, no matter what was going on, if they could have these simple elements of their meal, he would join them there. And he was trying to convey to them that even in the breaking of this bread and the taking of this cup, they could remember that he was going to take from them their guilt, their sin, their pain, their suffering, even their death, so that they could be free. So that when they did make mistakes, when they broke God's heart, when they broke God's will and God's law, when they rebelled against what God asks of us as disciples, that still they could find forgiveness here. And our earliest archaeological excavations and studies show us that the first Christians to continue after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus tells us that worship was centered around communion. They gathered for common meals. In Methodism, we would call this potluck. <laughs> they would gather for common meals, and after eating, at the conclusion of their meal, they would take communion together, just like Jesus did in the Passover Seder taking things from the table and remembering, in some cases reenacting, prayerfully remembering what Jesus did for them. And when Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, he is reminding them how important it is to do this with reverence, not that we can't find joy when we come to the communion table, but to truly honor and to pay attention to what Jesus is doing for us here. In the United Methodist Church, we deny no one the sacrament of Holy Communion. It's one of my favorite things about this church, is that everyone is welcome here. Everyone, in whatever state of grace you're in, whatever state of membership, whatever language, whatever you're wearing, whatever your age, it does not matter, for Jesus says, come as you are. And so when we gather here, we're given the opportunity to actually use our other senses to taste and smell and touch and feel God's grace. Because sometimes our ears and our eyes play tricks on us. But when you touch something and you taste something and it becomes part of who you are, it's a message that is beyond words and symbols. And Jesus knew this, and so he gave it to us. That's why sometimes the most profound looks of transformation are on the face of children who take communion. Because they understand that something wonderful is happening and it is too great for words. And even if we had the right words to give them, our theology would fall short. In the United Methodist Church, no one claims to know exactly what is going to happen at this table, myself included. We call it a holy mystery. That when we call upon the Holy Spirit and we ask God to transform these elements, that some way, somehow God does this, but God doesn't need to explain God's self to us. We just get to enjoy the fruits of God's labor. And so we do. And we know that no matter what happens after we take communion, just for this moment, for this time and this presence here in this holy house, we are justified. We are loved, known, forgiven, and free to go back out into the world and try again. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. Sometimes it's really hard for us as Christians to set expectations reasonably. Right? There's uh, this thing called martyrdom we do, where we think we have to take on so much and we have to be so perfect and we have to give and give and give until there's nothing less than left and we die of exhaustion. We forget that Jesus spent his entire ministry setting reasonable expectations. When he was tired, he took naps. 
When he was exhausted and exasperated, he withdrew from the crowds. When he had a feeling that people weren't understanding what he was saying, then he switched around and he told a different parable. He didn't expect everybody to be perfect because he knew that our humanity would never let us be perfect. So he ensured that we would always have a place where our sins could be erased, where our hearts could be held by God Almighty, and where we could come together in peace and harmony and experience our Lord and Savior time and time again. And if that isn't a sign that Jesus was the Messiah, nothing that happens tomorrow will convince you otherwise. But it's his providence, the way in which he cared for them before they even knew they needed to be cared for. The way God cares for us and has given us Holy Communion before we committed our first sin. All of these things are God's gift to us to remind us that we are not perfect but God is not going to forsake us just because we're not. Instead, God continually reaches out to us, continually bids us to come, take a break from the busyness of our lives, from the stress of growing older, from the distractions of the world, from the things that break our hearts and threaten to break our minds, and come here and rest and just let God love us. And if we were better at telling that story, then more people would be rushing into churches for communion. If we were better at expressing that here we are all equal and loved, then people would recognize that it isn't the floors of a parliament or a congress. It isn't in an oval office where people are made equal. It is here by God's word God's love and God's grace that all people everywhere for all time are made equal. Amen. And there's no more prophetic message than that. And when you think about that and you think about human history, you think, is that a reasonable expectation? The glory of God is that just when we think that something is beyond God's ability, that it is just so far beyond being fixed, that it is irreconcilable, God says, I refuse to have people shut out. I refuse to have someone think that they are not loved, that they are not redeemable, and that they are not welcome here. And that's why sinners like me and like us are always bid welcome here. And tonight, as we have this opportunity to come forward and remember and taste God's goodness and God's love and grace, I hope that this is a time where we remember all of those who have gathered at the table and who have remembered just how important this is. There were times in Corinth where people were being persecuted for just calling themselves Christian. There were people who had been shunned by their family and their friends. They lost their jobs. They were completely ostracized by daring to claim the name of Christ. And yet, when they gathered together at the table, and they broke bread, and they shared the cup, they found their community. They found their calling because there, without fail, they found Christ. And tonight, may it be no less, no different for us. May we come here with joy to meet our Lord, forgiven, loved, and free. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. 
We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week. 